Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for your Word. We know in your Word it talks about conception over and over and over again that you knew us even before we were ever born. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for the intimacy that you desire with every single human being. You're not selective. You don't stop anyone from coming to you. You'll never turn away a repentant heart. As we approach 8 billion people, you desire all to be saved. We know they won't be, unfortunately, but your heart's desire is that they would be. So, Lord, as we learn this morning and as we continue to work through your word, Help us to be aware of our sphere of influence. We're not influencing 8 billion people, but we might have 8 people around us, co-workers, family members, neighbors, that we could influence, that we could share the love of Christ with, that we could share science with, that we could help maybe educate them if they're willing to be educated a little bit. So Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in these evil days. For according to your word, it's going to get worse, not better. There is no politician that's going to save this situation. It's the coming of your son to remove his bride, the church, off the earth that is going to save us from the great tribulation that will be accomplished. Seven years. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you for that deliverance. I pray for the gift of teaching this morning as we look at your word and that our hearts will be opened to what you'd have for us to learn individually, maybe as a marital couple, maybe as a family, maybe as the church of God. We want to be led by your Holy Spirit. So teach us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if you're new or visiting. And the team always does a great job of putting up slides. And that will help you navigate through your Bible. I encourage you, especially as a young person, to move away from your phone and to get your hands on a paper Bible and get used to your paper Bible. And may your paper Bible become your best friend, not your phone. Your phone should not be your best friend. Your phone will lie to you. The Word of God will not. And so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll pick it up in verse 12, our, our, our text. But let's go back to... Um, Verse 1, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all unfilthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, reverence of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. So this is Paul writing this intimate letter, second letter to the Corinthians. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. So basically, Paul has been sharing with his co-laborers that the Corinthians were in sin, but they were, rep- they were repentant and that they were going to show fruit of repentance. And Titus actually went back to seek that information out. They didn't have anything that we have today, FaceTime, none of that stuff. So it was long distance. It could take weeks, if not months, to get messages back and forth. So Titus went back and forth. But Paul knew they loved God. Paul trusted in the Holy Spirit. So he was already bragging about them, that they were going to repent. 
I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Notice that. Whatever happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a month from now, because guys, no matter who wins, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be chaos because both sides are already saying they're going to steal it. They're going to steal it. They're going to steal it. They're already shouting at each other. They're going to steal it. They're going to steal it. You know what? God doesn't steal anything. He puts into place whom needs to be put into place. Have rest. Have rest. And get ready for the possible tribulation because if you're a white male and you're a Christian, you are the problem. Congratulations. For indeed, when we come to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And that's who I'm going to try to find my comfort in on Wednesday morning. (laughs) Not like, oh, yay, they made it. We're all saved now. Uh, No. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, only though only for a while. And we'll talk more about this in the study. Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. And again, you might be new to the faith, so repentance means to turn, to turn to God. Stop doing what you're doing and turn to God. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, key principle here. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of this world produces death. So it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. You, I, we need to produce fruit of repentance. We went over that. You can get the study. It's on a CD. But this is, what we should, this is why Jesus said we should be fruit inspectors. I'm glad you said you're sorry, or I'm glad that you asked, would I forgive you? Yes. Now I'm going to be watching to see if it's truly, if you truly meant that, or if it was just because you got caught. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. So see, there is the action of showing fruit, not just, hey, I'm sad, I'm sorry, get off my back. Well, right there shows you're not sorry. You haven't repented. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this manner. Now, I just gave you one extreme. We don't want to go on the other extreme and just put everybody under a microscope because we'll still make mistakes. So you want to step back and look at the bigger picture. Yes, they are showing fruit of repentance. Eh, they, you know, they hit a speed bump, but they're showing fruit of repentance. Okay? So you don't want either extreme, either extreme. Therefore, though I wrote to you, I did it not for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that your care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Now, our text this morning, so I wanted you to get all that so you can get the context of our text. Therefore, so because of all of that, therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, 
Even so, our boasting to Titus was found true. Very important. Be in the word of God and you will find the truth and the truth will set you free. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling you received him. Not an unhealthy fear, but a reverence or an honor. That's how we have a healthy reverence of God. It's called fear in the Bible. And some people are like, well, should I be afraid of God? Um, no, but you should have a healthy reverence. And that's what the word fear means, a healthy fear, a healthy reverence. And again, we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. So now going back to verse 12. Therefore, though I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. It wasn't just because of sin that Paul wrote his first letter, although he dealt with sin, unfortunately, immensely, and that helps us. Very beneficial. It was because he cared for and loved the believers in Corinth. Please remember this as we go through the rest of the study. Especially for you younger people being trained up by your parents. Um, I'm sure most of you as teenagers, if not all of you at one point in your life, looked at your parents and said, you don't love me because you won't let me do this. Right. Right. No, we love you and you're not going to do that. And if you do do it, there's going to be a consequence that you might have a healthy fear of them, but also a healthy fear of not getting in a car when someone has been drinking. Because there's a good chance there'll be an accident and if you get pulled over, there's not an accident, you get pulled over and you haven't been drinking, you will be guilty by association. Just one small example that I grew up with. Maybe that's not an issue today, but I, I know it is. You have to be careful what you get into, a car or a situation. And so it's not because he just wanted to point out sin. It's because he loved them and your parents love you. I see the same in the Old Testament. God didn't just write about our sinful nature. He wrote about his love for mankind. And love includes a healthy dose of discipline. Paul was most likely married and, had a, and was a father. Most of you might go, well, where do you get that from? Because he was a Pharisee and he was a Pharisee of a Pharisee. So he would have wanted to carry on the legacy. No doubt he would have wanted to carry that on. And I also believe that's why we have some great scriptures via the Holy Spirit on Paul's personal experience. There's many, many studies in that. So a healthy relationship with our earthly fathers would include an open rebuke or a chastening if necessary. And remember, Paul considered himself what? The spiritual father of his spiritual children, whether they were in Galatia or Ephesus or Corinth. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. So again, a healthy relationship with our earthly fathers. And maybe you didn't have a healthy relationship. I, I can say, honestly, I probably did not have a healthy relationship with my earthly father. But I don't go down that, that blame road. That's nonsense. The only thing that I know for sure is that no one mentored him. No one mentored him, and he didn't seek out mentoring. He didn't seek out discipling. He was a man, died at 100 years old, served in World War II, saw people killed, 
And in that generation, you don't talk politics, you don't talk religion, and you don't share your emotions. I know I'm painting with a wide brush, and that generation is very rapidly falling away. Um, But if you knew people of that generation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Very few people will share their emotions, talk politics, or talk religion. That's just the way they were raised. So, you know, I don't blame them. I just wanted to break the cycle, so get into the Word. If your dad wasn't a good dad, get into the Word. Get out of the blame routine. You, you can't change it. You can't change him. Only the Holy Spirit can change him. Allow yourself to be changed. Hebrews chapter 12. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. So here's the discipline, just like we had, and I didn't plan this out. It just happened to work this way. We had communion this morning, and what did we read? That God will discipline. God will chasten his children. He loves us enough to discipline us. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and life? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them. Because they didn't know our hearts, but they tried. And my dad tried, so I don't blame them. I didn't even know my heart. I don't know my heart today. Even the Bible says you don't know your heart. It's desperately wicked. I know certain aspects of it, but then there's other days where it comes out and I go, oh man, that was in there? Ay, ay, ay. As seemed best to them, for he, but he, but he, for our profit, so maturing, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Um, I was out on a hike this past week with a, a brother, and he mentioned about judgment and condemnation, and he was talking about God. And I said, okay, you've got to read from Genesis. When are you? And I've been talking to him for years, just like I talk to you on a regular basis. And I don't want to show of hands, but I hope you're reading from Genesis to Revelation. Because if you're not reading from Genesis to Revelation, you're not going to get the big picture of God. You're going to get bits and pieces, and you're going to be a little bit confused. It's not about judgment and condemnation. It's about discipline, chastening, and maturing. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because verse 11, now no chastening, no discipline, seems to be joyful for the present. How many of you, hey, thanks for that spanking. I don't remember my parents. I, don't, I never thanked them. I was probably thinking, I could do better than that. But painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to who? To who? To those who have been trained by it. Notice that. If you don't go through the discipline, you go around the discipline, you're going to come back to it. And then you go around it again, you're going to come back to it. And sooner or later, God's going to get your attention. So save yourself and everybody else a lot of frustration. Just repent the first time you hit it. And look up. And get used to that training process of, oh, there it is again. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. I know what this is because I've been trained by it. Conviction. Conviction will lead me to what? Repentance. Repentance will lead me to reconciliation. Reconciliation will lead me to restoration. Okay, that's conviction. Condemnation will lead me to separation. Well, will lead me to guilt. Condemnation will lead me to guilt, which will lead me to separation, which will lead me to isolation. I encourage you to just remember that. Didn't put a slide up there for it. Conviction of the Holy Spirit versus guilt of the enemy. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
Isn't that interesting when you think of Judas went up and kissed Jesus the night he turned him over? Huh. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. After three times on the Sea of Galilee, which some of us will be at in a few months, we won't be at the exact spot, but we'll we'll be at the Sea of Galilee, and they were having breakfast with Jesus, and Jesus, uh, after a while, took Peter aside, and three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you agape me? Agape me? Last time, do you phileo me, Peter? Okay, Peter, I'll come down to your level. Do you phileo me? Jesus, you know I phileo you. Hmm. But he was his friend. That minor rebuke from Jesus woke Peter up to, am I going to agape Jesus or am I just going to phileo Jesus? Am I going to love him unconditionally or just brotherly love? Because if you have any siblings, especially you men, and you have brothers, you know how that goes. You slap me, I'm going to slap you harder. Back in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7, and maybe that wasn't your family, that was our family. Solved a lot of problems too. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort. My family, not my kids. We didn't do that. My, my family, we had boxing gloves. And my dad encouraged that. You got a problem? Here's some gloves. Do it. And boxing gloves back then, you know, 50 years ago, were not like boxing gloves today. It was just a bunch of cotton balls inside some canvas. So you got the knuckles. You felt it really fast, quick. It was like, okay, I give. All right, I'll, I'll surrender. Therefore, we've been comforted in your comfort and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. You see, Paul was blessed to know the believers in Corinth repented and brought forth the evidence of the fruit of repentance as we noted last week. Let's look at 3 John, 3 John 1. Again, please get familiar with your Bibles because I'm going to reference scriptures as you, if you continue to come here. It's not the funny joke I tell you or the family story I might think of because I normally don't. It's the word of God that will transform our lives. Every believer who is mentoring someone or every pastor, assistant pastor who is ministering to his flock, the following verses are probably some of their favorite verses. 3 John 1, 1 through 4. The elder, this is John the apostle, writing in the 90s, the original 90s. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. In truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Notice that. Our most important thing, even if you're in bad health, which as we get older, it happens, it just, it just happens, continue to allow your soul to prosper. How does that take place? By reading your Bible every single day. By being in prayer. Maybe coming to the prayer meetings. You know, you're not running around with kids on Saturday morning. We have a prayer meeting every single Saturday morning, 8.30 to 9.30. And usually there's six or eight people there at best out of the whole congregation, six or eight people. Again, that's not guilt or condemnation. I'm just sharing with you. The most important thing that you can do is read your Bible and pray. Two most important things that you can do. Whatever you find yourself in, if you're reading your Bible and praying, you know you're going to get through it. Because God's got a plan. I think there's a verse that says somebody works all things together for the good. We like that verse when things are already working for the good. We don't like to think about it when it's not working for the good quite yet. We want to pout and be sad and mope. 
Beloved, I pray that, uh, we already read that. Verse three, for I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. You think truth is important to John? Because he walked with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. So we need to be in the truth. Now here's the verse that, that I referenced earlier. I think anyone mentoring anyone, and the way we mentor around here is females to females, males to males, young to old, whatever it might be. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's awesome. And that is my prayer that I'll continue to walk in truth and that I can teach the truth and that you'll follow along with that truth, not because I said it, because it's in the word of God. Because I know many of you, I shouldn't say many of you, I know some of you are mentoring and I want to encourage you, those who are mentoring, sometimes you don't see fruit and that's okay. Just keep planting, watering and fertilizing. God will bring the increase. You see, Paul was so pleased, as we look back in 2 Corinthians 7, 14, Paul was so pleased with the way the Corinthians received his letter of correction. It was a letter that was wrapped in love, grace, and mercy. Even though it was a very strong rebuke in certain areas, it was wrapped in love, grace, and mercy. Here it appears that Paul was bragging about the Corinthians that they weren't going to disappoint him, even before Titus had come back and he had met with Titus. For if anything I have boasted to him about you, so boasting to Titus, before he sent Titus, Titus went, now Titus is back, and Titus is giving a report, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so Paul knew the truth would set the Corinthians free, not because, oh, Paul said it, I only listened to Paul. No, 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 no. The truth, the truth, the truth. Just keep hammering the truth. Even in these days we're living in, just keep hammering the truth. Ephesians says, speak the truth in love, in love. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But as we all spoke, but as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. Again, Paul just explaining, I am so blessed, so blessed that you're still walking in the truth. 15 and 16. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all and how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. You know, there's something very interesting in this verse and I think it goes back to not being unequally yoked, which we talked about maybe six or eight weeks ago. You see, it's such a blessing to hang around others who just love the Lord and want to serve him. And so if your week is rough, I encourage you to come out Wednesday nights. We have a Bible study every Wednesday night. Again, lightly attended. 6.30 to 8 o'clock, Pastor Durrell is doing a great job. He's going through 2 Samuel. Get your battery recharged because your electric car is going to die anyways. Get your battery recharged. Isn't that nonsense? It's just crazy. It's just crazy. I read a really good article about that. Side conversation. Okay, let's stay focused, Jim. Stay focused. You see, it doesn't matter if you don't even speak the same language. We've been to Mexico, Egypt, Israel. Uh, it's wonderful. You have to have a translator. But just meeting them at the airport or, or getting, off, getting out of the van or getting off the bus, it's like they're just beaming. 
that you would come to see them from America. Everything's wonderful in America. You guys have everything in America. And they're just so ecstatic. And without even saying anything, all of a sudden they want to hug you. And you're smiling at them. What is that? They know Jesus. You know Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what Paul is sharing here. Such a blessing. You just quickly develop this inward affection for one another. And if you haven't experienced that, get out and do something. Go visit somebody of another language. It's an experience that Titus had with the believers at Corinth. And he's coming back to share the unique bond that he now holds with these Christians in Corinth. Because again, they have one common goal, to serve Jesus. To serve Jesus. Sweet time of fellowship is going to be in heaven, guys. Cannot wait there. The earthly oneness will be super elevated because there will be no more earthly distractions. You see, we're just getting a taste of it in this side. Have you gotten a taste of serving? Now, here at this church, we ask that you sit for six months because anyone that does serve here is seen as leadership in my eyes. And so you have to make sure that you're called to this church, that you want to be part of this church. If you don't agree with us, there's lots of other churches. Go where you're called. Praise God. Give it an opportunity. But once you have that six months in, you need to start praying about how, how can I serve? How can I bless somebody? What can I do? I have a spiritual gift. How am I using my spiritual gift? And you're probably going right now, what's a spiritual gift? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. Most people don't. But you have a spiritual gift. God gave you a spiritual gift. Every believer in this room, everyone watching, on the, you have a spiritual gift. Do you know what it is? I don't have a clue. We'll help you. And it's not just for here. It's for your life. 24-7. In the grocery store, you could use your spiritual gift. I could? Yes, you could. You could. But you got to know what it is. Also in these verses, Paul is going to make a transition from another very important principle for every believer. Get ready. You guys okay? Get ready, because I know this isn't going to go over well. The giving of our finances to the work of the Lord. Oh, there it is. I knew. First day here, talking about money. Money, money, money. That's all he talks about. You know when I talk about money? When it comes up in the text. So, stay calm. And you can ask anybody that's coming here for any length of time. We go verse by verse, and we hit the comfortable verses and the uncomfortable verses. But these shouldn't be uncomfortable verses if you're doing what the Lord is calling you to do. But if you're not, then most people get bent out of shape. You see, from the beginning of Christianity, money has been abused and misused by a few within the church. Read your Bible, Book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. They were the only ones that were ever slain in the Spirit, and I don't think you want us doing that around here. Which obviously brings discredit upon the majority of those who do not misuse or abuse the funds of the church. And I can guarantee you, It's probably 1% versus 99%, but that 1% makes the 99% look bad. Just stick around. How do you think we could give 30% to missions if we were abusing your funds? That would be impossible. Let that sink in. Could you give 30% of your budget to missions? This church gives 30% of our budget to missions, and I'm praying you to ask for 35. Because if we stay on goal... If we, all of us, because this is yours, it's not mine, it's all of ours. Next March, five months from now, we're going to write our last mortgage check and we're going to be totally debt free. Amen. 
So God has a way of doing things through somebody who just has a high school education. Can he use you? I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. I went to Bible college for seven years, but still, he doesn't got a lot to work with. So you want to know that we don't misuse or abuse the funds. Well, that's just you saying it. Okay, fine. Figure it out. Stick around. You'll see. So we see a tactic of the enemy to neutralize an area of surrender. This is what it's all about, surrender. Have you surrendered your area of finances to God? That area of giving our finances for the work of the ministry. Without provision, there would be little completion of the Great Commission, which to go out and make disciples of those who come to the saving knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And 30% going to missions, there are, I think, 73 organizations, I think 85 missionaries proclaiming the gospel. So it's not just from here on this podium the gospel's going out. It's going around the world, guys, here locally in this area, as well as around the world. You are promoting the gospel. So the Holy Spirit through Paul is going to share with us that giving financially to the ministry should not be something neglected, nor being offering from nor be an offering from a bitter heart. Okay, I'll give it already. No, don't. Keep it. We don't want it. But giving should be seen as another expression of God's grace towards mankind. So as we enter these chapters, chapters 8 and 9 are going to deal heavily with finances. So if you don't want to come for two months, don't come. But if you want to grow up and mature in the faith, then I encourage you to come. Let's remember that God is not broke. He is not begging for our finances, as you would see on some begathons on the Christian Fiction channel. He is not in need of a single penny that you might have. I think there's a verse that says God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his, in case you don't know. And he's going to let go one day, and it's all going to burn. Read your Bible. You're polishing your manure. Polish it as much as you want, because it's all going to burn. But rather, God is interested in teaching us about the areas in our lives that need to be surrendered so that we might serve him more freely and completely. As the music team comes up, let's look at Psalm 37. No, you know what? We're not going to because I won't get through it. So we'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. But so that you're prepared, I want to do share that with you again. We, do, we only teach what the scriptures teach, and so we don't teach about finances every week. We've never had a thermometer around here. We've never had a begathon. We don't do that. Our senior pastor who's with Jesus taught us senior pastors many, many decades ago, and I've been in Calvary Chapel since 1985, where God guides, God provides. And so what God wants to do in our midst, we're going to let God do. And when God says to pull a plug on a ministry, we don't put anything on life support around here. We pull the plug. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us and direct us. We spend your funds wisely. And so over the next few months or six weeks, however long it takes us to get through these two chapters, I encourage you to come that you might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And your life will grow because of the word of God. Not me, because of the word of God. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. And Lord, we pray for those who are deceived and trying to deceive others. That's the enemy's number one tactic is deception. We see it. We hear it on our airwaves. So, Lord, we pray, 
we can't necessarily change people's minds, but we can have an influence on those who are around us, that sphere of influence. This week, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit, fill us with the truth, that we might go forth and speak the truth in love to those who are trying to promote hate. Help us, Father, that we might plant, water, fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will, that we might ask somebody, you know, they're just so hateful, maybe just ask them, hey, can, I, can we pray right now? And maybe they would. Why not ask? Maybe they would. And let's pray with people this week to see how your Holy Spirit can change hearts. We can't change hearts, but your Holy Spirit can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.